Welcome to Dare to Dwell, a podcast with the Daughters of St. Paul. We're so glad you're here. This season, we are gathering around the mics to share about the love of God poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You can find out more about our work on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, and welcome to Dare to Dwell. I'm Sister Oriane Pietra-Rene. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. And you know what? What? I'm really happy. Well, I don't know that it really mattered, but it makes me smile a little bit that our new title is pronounced the same in both Canadian and American <laughs> English. We say the same words the same way. Yeah. <laughs> before it was like every other week, it was either the Daughters Project or it was the Daughters Project. <laughs> Depending. <laughs> Depending. <laughs> anyway, that just struck me as funny. We now have unity. We do. <laughs> unity in the spirit. <gasps> wow. Right on topic. Yeah. Just diving in. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. So we just want to extend a huge welcome. This is our first real episode of dealing with the book, The Sanctifier, and dwelling, or dwelling, wow, diving deeper into what Archbishop um, Martinez is really pulling out for us. We're so excited to do this with you guys. Get ready. If you have the book and you want to follow along, that's great. You absolutely do not need it. It's not a read-through. If you have your Bible, even greater. You're probably going to need that. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Occupational hazard, guys. (laughs) So we were talking before the episode and um, both of us were kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. I kind of actually turned this into Alexio with like real scripture. Sorry, your daughter. We're daughters of St. Paul. That's what you're going to get from us. Right. No apologies. We don't even apologize. Wow. Even the Canadian won't apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're turning into me. You're rubbing off on me. Okay. I love it. All right. Okay, so chapter one. Yes, which is called The Holy Spirit Leads Us to Holiness, which is kind of ironic because you would think that's kind of evident, but right. actually for many of us, it's not. Yeah, like the title itself. Well, for first of all, it's kind of a, a longer way of saying the Holy Spirit is the sanctifier, exactly. the one who leads Basically. us to holiness, right? Yeah. So it's kind of a long, long version of the title. But I was thinking about it too and like, Like you're saying, it's ironic. It feels ironic because you feel like you have to be holy to have the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But he's the one who leads us to holiness. But the thing is, like, you kind of do have to be a little bit holy to receive the Holy Spirit. But he continues making us more holy. Mm. Right? Yeah. He kind of, he is the one who puts you aside, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Because that's really what holy is about. It's the setting aside-ness. It's not about, like perfect morality or perfect behavior or looking a certain way or right and mm-hmm. i actually saw this really beautiful um it was a tweet actually that they said something to the effect of watching an infant get baptized is one of the most beautiful things to him because that infant doesn't know what's going on they have no power on their own mm-hmm. to make this happen but but god takes them by the hand plunges them through the waters of baptism into new life and he was like for me that is that just breaks open exactly what is actually happening for an adult but we think we have more involvement in it than we really do like we have more power in it than we really do but he was saying like no that is what actually happens Mm -hmm. we don't have the power to make this thing happen god is the first action he is the he is the artist which is basically what Martinez is really drawing out here. Mm-hmm. He's the one who's making this yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Mm-hmm. It's neat because like you think about it is really beautiful to think about when you see 
a baby being baptized and mm-hmm. how that's like just such a, it's a gift that's so freely given and yeah. they have no idea what they're receiving or right. or what it's doing to them and and how beautiful it is and but then there's also the beauty of seeing an adult who's got a lifetime of mistakes and things being yes. baptized and that yeah. that's just like completely washed away mm-hmm. a person who hasn't been baptized has no need of confession after their baptism right like there's it's just completely a fresh washing away a fresh start so like the, both sides are so beautiful and they say something about who god is mm-hmm. is um his his free gift of his grace in the case of the infant and his profound mercy and generosity in the case of the adult too like i mean both are there in both cases as well but Absolutely. just kind of highlighted a little bit right. differently yeah yeah and i think that's why baptisms get me more emotional than mm-hmm. any other sacrament. It doesn't matter if it's a baby or an adult. I am weeping, mm-hmm. which is why I stand at the back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. just we you can't understand. We still can't understand, even having gone through it ourselves and lived out of it, the depth of what that actually means nope. and what it means mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit actually comes to dwell in you. At that moment, you welcome the Holy Spirit into you in a very real way. And he basically is forming something or perfecting something in you that brings you to look more like Jesus. At some point here, hold on, I got to find the, okay, Martinez expresses it this way, that Christian life is the reproduction of Jesus in souls, Mm -hmm. which when I first read that, I think of those little like plastic silicone molds where you like fill it up like (laughs) next 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 but that's not what this is talking about at all just like you know when you when you paint the same scene with five different artists it's going to look completely different and yet it looks exactly the same Mm -hmm. it's pointing to the exact same thing and that's the kind of artist that the holy spirit is in us what jesus what what is highlighted about jesus in and through me is going to be different than what is highlighted about him in and through you and yet it's the same. It's the same Jesus. It's the same love. It's the same mercy. It's the same power. It's the same, you know, rejoicings. It's the same strength and and perseverance through trials. And same with all of you listening. Like there might be something that you look at in your life and say, yeah, actually, the Holy Spirit really is highlighting this one thing about Jesus through me or through that dude down the street. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's the same Jesus. Yes. Yeah. 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 I was loving so one of the was the third sentence of the book. <laughs> the third sentence of the book starts: "Life ought to be based on truth." Mm-hmm. And there's like something a little bit obvious about that, but also something a little <laughs> bit profound about that. We have to seek, mm-hmm. and the truth is something that God reveals to us. And the truth is also a person. Mm-hmm. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And that the more that we become conformed to this truth, the more we look like him, mm-hmm. um, the more we communicate the same thing that he does. Any one of us can really only communicate just a facet of his truth, right. which is what's actually was, is what's so beautiful about it is we each reflect the facet that's been given to us. And then all together we make the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that's really beautiful. Like someone's got to be the kidneys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> so he says, life ought to be based on truth. But then later on he says, as we highlighted last episode, love is the essence of the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Right? So life ought to be based on truth. But love is the essence of that life, which is based on truth. Yeah. Because you can't have fake love. No. Then it's not love. No. And that's why it's so beautiful to see that like each person 
communicates it, but each person communicates it so uniquely. Yeah. And actually, I think I, I remember at one point when I was getting a little bit more into the Catholic side of my Catholic faith mm -hmm. after a very long and complicated road of conversion. <laughs> um, and then again, this happened to me again when I was discerning entering a convent, that each of those times I, I really had to grapple in myself with like, but I don't want to become too Catholic. Like I don't want to become too holy to the point where <laughs> nobody recognizes me anymore mm. and I'm inaccessible and I'm like not even who I was before. And at some point, Jesus had to be like, yo, what makes you think that's what holiness is? Yeah. That you being inaccessible and somehow unrecognizable and not who I made you to be is holy. Yeah. That's that's not what holiness is. And finally, when he was able to kind of like knock me over the head, so to speak, <laughs> with that reality, that's when I realized like, yes, we are transformed by Christ. We mm -hmm. do change. Mm -hmm. But we change into more fully of who we're supposed to be in the first place. We are by no means unrecognizable. We're more recognizable as to who we are. And I've, I've seen many people struggle with that same fear that if I really do this thing, if I really follow Jesus to the T, if I, if I respond to every prompt that I actually do notice, if I pray more, I'm going to lose myself. Mm -hmm. And you could you could use the metaphor like you lose yourself in someone in a good way. You can also use it in a negative way. Um, you could use it in a positive way in the sense if you really wanted to. For me, I think I, I was praying with John 14 about this kind of question. When Jesus says in John 14 that I do not give as the world gives. And it's true. Like if I am given the opportunity to go to soccer practice, I might have to give up ballet. So I'm not going to be known as like the ballerina. I'm not a ballerina in case <laughs> right. anyone's like, ooh, I'm not. <laughs> if, I, if I get an opportunity to go somewhere on a hockey scholarship, I'm going to give up my opportunity to take piano lessons, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But here, Jesus does not give as the world gives. He gives us something that brings us to fuller life, not that takes things away. Yeah. And yes, he will ask us to turn away from certain opportunities. He leads us down a particular path and he like... Like Philip says, like, we don't know where you're going. How are we supposed to know the way? Like, I have no idea where this is going to take me. Mm -hmm. We don't always know the route down which he will take us, but we always know where the destination is. He already told us. Yeah. And in a way, it's actually just him, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So all of those things, we don't have to be afraid. And he even tells us in John 14, like, don't be afraid. Like, I'm not stripping you of who you are. This is who you are. Yeah, it's like that fear of becoming like a cookie cutter. Yeah. But actually, in fact, you're becoming like the excess is being cut off and you're becoming more yourself, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I love that. You were reminding me of um, there's a priest who I love to go to confession to. And almost every time I go to confession with him, he says, Sister, God did not call you here because you are a holy woman. <laughs> God called you here to make you a holy woman. Right. And I just part, that's part of the reason I love to go to confession is because I love that <laughs> reminder. Um, it's just like it's so consoling, mm -hmm. actually. And it's also just like a really beautiful reminder that like God doesn't invite us to do things because we've made it. Right. He invites us to do things because that's how he's making us. Mm -hmm. And and so whatever our vocation is, whatever he's inviting us to as a particular mission for today, even day by day, hour by hour, 
that's how he's making us who we are. That's how he's sanctifying us. It's how he's making us into his image more perfectly. Right. And we hear that over and over in scripture that he's chosen the weak to shame the strong. Mm-hmm. Or or Mary in her Magnificat says, like, you've cast the mighty from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. Mm-hmm. Like this, there's this kind of reversal that we have to be in touch with of recognizing that if I've been called to something, if if I've had the privilege of really recognizing God's voice, if I've had if I've had the privilege of being baptized or finding out baptism was an option for me, it's not because I'm amazing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not that you're not. Because you are amazing. You are amazing. But that's not the reason. No, we don't mm-hmm. earn those opportunities. Mm-hmm. We are gifted them because we are little. And when we can recognize that, that's when we can stand with Jesus and rejoice in the spirit for what the Father has revealed to the little ones. Like yeah. that's the moment we can stand beside Jesus and be like, oh my gosh, look what you have done. It is beautiful. And at some point, I don't have I don't have the quote in front of me right now, but at some point in this first chapter, um, Martinez describes the Holy Spirit as coming down with divine enthusiasm. Like he is yes. so pumped. I dig it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It like it's 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 our desire and God's desire merging. Yeah. Like God's desire for us. Really, it's God's desire for us becoming our desire for ourselves. Right. And like it's actually God longing to give himself, to pour himself into our hearts, to pour himself into our lives and for us to receive it as fully as possible. Like he wants that closeness. He wants that intimacy so much Mm -hmm. that he does literally everything that exists exists because of this desire that he has. Yeah. And I think that's something for us to keep in mind, too, when if ever we're having a struggle where we're struggling to pray or we're struggling to feel close to God. This happened to me. I'm just going to be really honest. When I was hit with COVID-19, um, I was so, <laughs> well, Sister Benedict was there. She saw how I was. <laughs> I was so out of it. And I couldn't focus on anything to save mm-hmm. my life. Like, And it was a real moment of poverty for me because I was physically very weak. I was mentally just total brain fog, zoned out, useless. And even my senses were depleted. So it's not even like you could light a candle and smell it and be reminded that you were in a place of prayer. You could light a candle and risk burning the house down because you couldn't (laughs) smell anything, (laughs) which might have been what I did. I didn't burn the house down. But anyway, I stopped lighting candles at some point. We were careful. We were very careful. But that was a moment where I really had to trust that in my poverty, in the very little even consciousness that I could really give to the Lord, I was able to trust that the Holy Spirit was in me and that he was praying in me for everything that I could no longer have the wherewithal to either even be conscious of anymore, but he knows is on my heart because he put it there, or that I was vaguely conscious of but could not express or kept falling asleep in the middle of or couldn't Mm -hmm. focus on or whatever. And if you're in a position like that, whether or not you're sick, like, or maybe you're just taking care of, you know, like a parent or a grandparent and you're overwhelmed or you have 10 kids at home or like, or like whatever your situation is, your job is just insane. We really do need to make an effort to carve out those spaces of prayer because it really is our first priority. But when we're faced with our human poverty, the Holy Spirit is not not present in the midst of our poverty. It's the poverty that he entered into. That's what he chose to enter into. He is the one making wealth out of that poverty. And no matter what littleness we can offer to God, 
he takes it and he really does work out of it. Like, I remember when we got out of that, like all the things that had happened and all the people Mm -hmm. like, I was like, oh, my gosh, like I couldn't even pray. (laughs) And and we were there for we were we were we were quarantined together. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We were there for Christmas Day and New Year's Day. And New Year's is an important day in our in our community because it was the day that that our founder received the inspiration to found our community. And so it becomes really a profound moment of prayer for us. Right. And we were just totally knocked out. <laughs> it was lame. But like God worked so much mm-hmm. out of it, not just for me, mm-hmm. like personally, but for a lot of people. Like it's so humbling. We don't always get to see those reminders. Like we don't always see what he's doing in those moments. But he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, in the last episode, we shared some of our favorite quotes and one line that we both picked out as a favorite <laughs> quote came from this chapter. Mm-hmm. And it was the part where he talks about that love is the essence of the Christian life, which I've already referred to a little bit, mm-hmm. that it is the charity poured by the Holy Spirit into souls, the charity that embodies the perfection of all the virtues. And I tried to quote Pope Benedict in the last episode, but um, ever since since then, I, I went ahead and got the actual <laughs> quote from Deus Caritas S because it's just so beautiful. Uh, when he, he says, and this, is, this is like right at the very beginning of the encyclical. He says, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. Mm-hmm. And as I was praying with that a little bit, I was kind of thinking like there's probably a lot of us who may still be awaiting that encounter, who may still feel like we haven't had really a profound encounter with that person. We don't really know that person mm-hmm. yet, not very well. Or maybe we feel like we used to and yeah. we don't really anymore. There's been some distance. I know I've definitely found myself in that place where I felt like there was so much distance. Like, Jesus, do I even know you anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, which it's it's it can sound a little bit silly when you're on this side of it. But when you're in it, it can really be distressing. It's, it's world shaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and when we've had the encounter, we kind of know what he's talking about here. And when we're still kind of waiting for it or if we're not really sure if we've had it fully or was it my imagination mm-hmm. or, you know, any of those things, like it can be it can be really um, it can be distressing. Mm-hmm. I can't really think of another word for it. But but the truth is that if we're baptized and even if we're not, there's prevenient grace that allows for God to pour grace into our mm-hmm. into our lives prior to that. We have had an encounter with him. Just desiring the encounter is the grace. It's a marker. Of an encounter. Yeah. Like the desire itself is a gift. Like we can't desire it mm-hmm. on our own. So the fact that we are desiring it, it doesn't sound all that consoling, especially when you're in the middle of this, you know, distressing feeling of, of separation. But even just that desire is a sign and a confirmation that we have, in fact, encountered him. Yeah. Which is cool. Sometimes I think, like, especially when we were baptized, if we were baptized as infants and can't remember it, mm-hmm. if we've grown up kind of struggling to, yeah, feel God present or, or have never had an encounter that you can point to like that, I kind of think of it in a, in a way of, like, if you were rescued from a house fire by a neighbor when you were, like, two months old, <laughs> you might not feel like you ever had an encounter with that person Mm -hmm. because you don't remember them. Mm -hmm. But actually, you had a profound encounter with that person and they saved your life. Mm -hmm. So obviously, 
God's baptism is a little bit more in depth than that because he's currently dwelling in you. But nevertheless, like those are real physical markers that we can point to to say, actually, just because I don't remember doesn't mean he didn't hold me in that moment. He didn't save my life in that moment. He didn't come to me in a way that I needed in that moment. And if we can if we can point to a physical reality of that in the human world, how much more so than with God? Like, it's really humbling because the fact that we even ask those questions is because God has made us in his image and is after us. And that can be a really humbling moment of saying, I thought I was asking these questions because I'm missing something, mm-hmm. which, I mean, in a sense is not inaccurate, but actually the reason we ask those questions is because you have something. Yes. And you don't even know you have it. Yeah. But then when you realize, it just kind of like clicks into place and it's one of the most humbling moments. It really is. like, And it's true. Like, Have you ever been in a conference or something and you knew like during the question and answer session that there was like something, something just kind of missing there and you just wished that you knew exactly how to get that question formulated so that you could Mm -hmm. have it answered before you leave the conference with this excellent speaker or something. (laughs) And then you are on your way home and suddenly it clicks like what it was that you weren't quite catching or that you were that just made the argument just a little bit not quite convincing or like that just that one question that if you'd asked that if you'd been able to have that answered Mm -hmm. it would have like settled the whole thing for you or something yeah just being able to ask the questions is a gift because when we can't ask the questions Mm -hmm. we can't appreciate the answers right and and it's not a given that the question like you have to know that there's something missing there in order to ask the question to try to fill the gap right so speaking of questions um I, th- I think I've made no secret of the fact that uh, Mary and I kind of have a little bit of a, a tense relationship or like maybe <laughs> a um, a little bit of a rocky relationship might be a better way to put it. Mm. I appreciate her when she's kind of over there. Mm. But when she kind of comes close, I get a little less interested. You know, I've, I've always had people explain to me, oh, well, you know, you – you develop a relationship with Mary because she leads you closer to Jesus. But my conversion really kind of came through Jesus and through the Eucharist. And so I've never really felt like that was necessary. And then it's like, well, okay, well, she helps you to, um, she knows Jesus's preferences. And so she helps to like, she helps you to to shape like different things so that you can give the gift that Jesus most prefers. And it's like, okay, but also like he could tell me, <laughs> like, I don't know. So, so I've always kind of struggled with this, but I will say that this, chapter from Archbishop Martinez is one of the most helpful ones for me in understanding some of the saints' insistence Mm -hmm. that Mary needs to be involved in the lives of of saints. Like, if we want to be saints, that Mary's got to be involved in that. What I love about how he says it is that he's basically saying, okay, if the point of the Christian life is that Jesus be reproduced in me, how did Jesus come the first time? Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, he came through the Holy Spirit and through Mary. Mm-hmm. And he says that is the way Jesus is always conceived by the Holy Spirit and of Mary. And he, he quotes the creed, right, who was mm-hmm. conceived by, by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Um, that is the way he is reproduced in souls. He is always the fruit of heaven and earth. Two artisans must concur in the work that is at once God's masterpiece and humanity's supreme product the Holy Spirit, and the Most Holy Virgin Mary. So I do think that like maybe later on in the season, we could have a sister who's like 
super duper Marian soul come and talk about <laughs> this a little bit more because I don't I don't know that we'll be able to do it much justice here. But but I just wanted to because it is such a big part of this chapter, I wanted to point to it a little bit and just mm-hmm. to say like this is one of the most helpful images for me in what it means to let Mary be part of my spiritual life is to let her show me how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to allow Jesus to be formed in me um, because she did that the best and she did it first and she did it the most clearly. And I think that that is actually the incarnational aspect that reminds us why we're Christian mm-hmm. and not something else. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. really that reality became reality in Mary. That's and, a really beautiful point. Yeah, because, I, you know, there's there's so many misconceptions, I think, out there amongst other people of other faiths. Mm-hmm. And even, honestly, sometimes even in Catholicism mm-hmm. of who Mary is to us. And that can be a really difficult thing to grapple with no matter what side, so to speak, you're on, what, what's, what you know, tradition you're speaking from. But the reality is God made Jesus incarnate in Mary. That's where it happened. And no matter whether you are aware of her presence or not, no, she is not God. We never claim no. that. She would be horrified if anybody did. <laughs> she doesn't want it. Right. And in her Magnificat itself, like she she reclaims her own loneliness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we we pray that as Catholics every single day. We pray the Magnificat. Like we we claim who Mary really, truly is in history and in our lives. But the reason that we pray it every day in the Liturgy of the Hours, I should say, mm-hmm. is because that's where Jesus became incarnate. And for us, the reason that Jesus is our Savior is because he became incarnate. The second person of the Trinity, who we now call Jesus, like he was always the second person of the Trinity, mm-hmm. but he wasn't always incarnate. Mm-hmm. And when he became incarnate, that that's like this pivotal moment of history that has reverberations even into the past, right? In, in how people are, are welcomed through the gates of heaven. Like that is the moment all of the people waited and yearned for up yes. until then. That is the moment that we live out of and rejoice in now. And that is the moment that we want to be able to truly live out of. And if we're going to live out of that moment, we can't leave people in that moment out, you know, like we can't be like, I want the incarnation, but not with Mary. Exactly. <laughs> like, Bye, Mary. Exactly. <laughs> like, no, Mary has to be present. And she is a very good mother in the sense that she knows when to speak and when to be silent. She knows when we're not ready to hear something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of us may have had mothers like that and some of us may not have. <laughs> but like, no matter what our mothers were like growing up, if we even knew our mothers, right? Like if maybe we had a mother who didn't know when she should stop talking when you weren't ready to hear something. Maybe we had a a mother who never said the things that she should have said that we needed to hear. Mm -hmm. Maybe we had a mother who wasn't even present because of whatever circumstance. But Mary is always present in our lives. She knows when to speak. She knows when to keep silent because of what we're ready for. And she always does that in view of one goal and one goal alone, which is, you know, nourishing our faith life, our, our our relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. So you know, even if you're if you're listening to this and you're someone who's also struggling with Mary's presence in your life, or maybe you're on a journey, maybe you already love Mary. Like wherever you are in that place, you can kind of step back and ask yourself that: like, how has she been doing that in my life? How has she how has she been speaking? How has she been silent on purpose? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's good and. 
this idea that she and the Holy Spirit kind of work together. And she works in us because Jesus has given her this like special role, right? right? In the same way that like he invites parents or teachers or uh, mentors or big brothers, big sisters to <laughs> have a role in helping to shape a person's personality, to help mm-hmm. a person grow closer to him. She that's that's the role that she's been given yeah. to us by him. And so it's not like she's like taking over. I think that's that's been my hesitation sometimes is like, well, I don't want her attention. I want his <laughs> attention. Why do you want to pass me off on her? Like, you know, like I think that that's been a little bit of of uh, the tension for me there is. But but I want you to do it, Jesus. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, and she's going to help me, you mm-hmm. know. And this line, Christian life is the reproduction of Christ- of Jesus in souls. And perfection, the most faithful and perfect reproduction, consists in the transformation of souls into Jesus. We're being transformed into Jesus, like you said at the top, like, but not in, not in a cookie cutter way, but in mm-hmm. like a beautiful, like making Jesus all over the place kind of a way. And, yeah. and I love that he goes on to quote St. Paul in like five different places <laughs> saying how Jesus is in us. And um, I, for some reason, I felt really drawn to pray more with uh, Ephesians 3.17, Christ dwelling through faith in your hearts. And I don't know. There was just something at the risk of turning this into a season four episode of just making an Alexio <laughs> on, on Ephesians. Um, there was just something about that that, like, gave a lot of light to this chapter for me mm-hmm. uh, that that really, like, in the, in the incarnation – Jesus made his dwelling on earth. Mm-hmm. So like like we're talking about with, with the title of the podcast, he pitched his tent among us. Yeah. And, and that that is true still. And like after the ascension, he still desires to make his dwelling among us. And he does it in like an even more profound and intimate way that like – in some ways, like our, our physical senses and our um, maybe even our emotions and things are, are less capable of perceiving his presence than if he were to come sit down in the chair next to us. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make it any less real. But in, and in fact, like when we're able to see clearly with the eyes of our hearts, with our spiritual eyes, we will see how much closer and how right. much more intense actually his presence is with us. And that that dwelling... Like when St. Paul says, so that Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith, that that dwelling, it's almost like he 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 formed a habit of being with us and he can't give up the habit. <laughs> <laughs> or like he, he formed this, um, once he had it, he, he didn't want to let go. Mm-hmm. And so even after the ascension, he has found ways of being with us. One of those ways is to be with us in the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle. But even more so, even more so. One of those ways is to dwell in our hearts by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. And like you can think of faith as almost like the furniture that makes our heart like accommodate him or like make (laughs) him comfortable up in there. Like, you know, like faith is the thing that kind of unlocks the door and it gives him space to be there. And the Holy Spirit is the one who kind of accomplishes the whole movement that that requires. Yeah. And honestly – just just pulling out some of the things that you said, Sister Benedict, of the fact that it is the same spirit that the Father sends down upon the bread and the wine to consecrate them into right. the body, blood, soul, and divinity of right. our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the same spirit that he also sends down onto and into us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. To do what? To build that same Christ in yep. us. And like, to be the body of Christ. Yeah. 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 And that, that line from St. Paul, what he's saying, it's in the middle of his prayer for the Ephesians, right? And he's saying, okay, so he starts off, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner person, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, which is the essence of the Christian life, mm-hmm may have the power to comprehend. So, so far we have faith, we have love, we have comprehension, our mind is getting involved. We have have the power to comprehend with all the saints, so together with all of the holy ones, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Like, to know that his love is so immense that we can't but be immersed in it Mm -hmm. and like immersed in like the way of like it's completely surrounding and outside of us but also completely filling us and inside of us at the same time like that's actually what knowledge of God's love does Mm -hmm. and that's where change comes from yeah yeah that's that's, when we change that's why transformation is so big because transformation is actually just a result of recognizing the reality and I think like When we read prayers like that, when we know that we have asked for the Holy Spirit, when we know that the Holy Spirit does transform us, when we fall then after that, we can often feel like we lost him Mm -hmm. or somehow maybe we never actually had him and we were just like, well, maybe it was my, a figment of my imagination, like, (laughs) but that's not reality. Like Mm -hmm. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, they are together. They are all God. They are all faithful, every single one of them. When God comes to dwell in us in our baptism, he remains faithful to that covenant that he just made, mm-hmm. whether we remain faithful to it or not. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my, my one of my favorite lines ever is in Second Timothy, I believe. And, it, and Paul says that, like, yeah. even when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Yep. And... That, I think, is so consoling because it does remind us that we don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed to him to come back and ask for forgiveness again. Like, he never left, you know? He's just waiting for you to turn around and look at him again. And you don't you don't need to be, you know, like a little child trying to hide their face because they're ashamed and they're afraid what they're going to see in their father's eyes when they turn around. That's not... The reality for us, and I mean, we might feel ashamed of what we did. That's normal, but but not ashamed to him, like yeah. not a kind that blocks us off because you did not lose that gift. You might have cut yourself off from it. You might have turned around, turned your back on it, but all you have to do is turn back around. And if you can't because your feet are stuck in the mud or whatever, you can tell God, like, I want to turn around and I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I had a kindergarten student once when I was a teacher. We all went outside to play and because they were really hyper that day. And it was a, it was a class of all boys, 15 boys. Oh, no. <laughs> it was really fun, but it was a little bit intense. And um, so it was one of those days where I was like, forget it. We're going outside. So we went outside. We played a lot of games and we played them in French because I was a French teacher. And it was muddy, but the kids were all dressed for it. So I was like, it's OK, guys. You can play in the mud, but just be careful. OK, maybe not the wisest decision I ever made. Anyway, this one kid went and played in a mud puddle. And at the end, I was like, okay, 
we're going back inside and this one kid's not coming. He's not coming. He's not coming. He's, he's just standing in this mud puddle. And I was like, what are you doing? It's time to go inside. Look, the line is here. We're waiting for you. And he just looked up at me and he's like, I can't. And I was like, sweetie, it's okay. You just step out of the puddle. He's like, I can't. And I realized his boots had gotten <laughs> oh, suctioned no. into the mud. So, and he hadn't been like visibly squirming so it was so it just looked like he was standing there because mm -hmm. his boots were too big so you couldn't see that his legs were working <laughs> underneath and I didn't realize his boots were too big so I went over there and he did try to kind of squirm and I was like whoa stop stop because you can hurt yourself doing yeah. that right yeah. I was like I will I will get you out I was pulling on his boots couldn't get them out I had to lift this kid out of his boots <laughs> put him on the pavement oh no I pulled out one boot and two other kids tried to pull out another one they couldn't do it I had to do it again by like breaking the suction, like we had to stick sticks underneath the boots. <laughs> and I always remember like that was kind of a moment for me of like, you know what? Sometimes that's me. Mm. That's me in my in my actual life. Mm. Like I am stuck. I don't even know how to call for help. Mm -hmm. Everything is happening around me. Mm -hmm. People are moving on. The, the person who's supposed to be telling me what to do seems to be moving on. And I'm just here and I'm just going to stand here, I guess. <laughs> You know, but it was just exactly what that kid did. It wasn't until I said, honey, like we need to go yeah. when he was like, I, I can't. <laughs> but at Poor any kid. point he could have asked for help, you know, yeah. but it's true. You freeze mm -hmm. or you think like I should be able to do this. Mm -hmm. I should be able to pull my own boot out. Mm -hmm. God is not beneath coming over, picking you up out of your boots. <laughs> And putting you on firm ground where you can look at him face to face. Mm -hmm. He will do mm -hmm. that for you. And he's also not angry about it. No. I mean, I wasn't angry. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's funny. I was picturing, before you told the story, I was also, I was picturing an even, even younger child when they're at that age where like they know they want a banana for a snack, but then they're <laughs> upset that you peeled it. Yes. But if you hadn't peeled it, they'd be upset that they couldn't peel it. Right. Like, you know, like where they just it's like lose, lose. <laughs> you absolutely cannot give them what they want, like <laughs> yeah. because they actually don't know what it is that they want. Yeah. And then they have this like little meltdown and then eventually they just eat the banana. Right. But, like, and then they're happy. Yeah. But like nobody's upset with a toddler for being that way. They're just right. being a toddler. Right. And and if they turn around and want to give mom a big snuggle or something afterwards, she's not going to deny that. Right. You know, like it's. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's just it's beautiful, actually, that, mm -hmm. that they feel the ability to to kind of bounce around that way. And I think we lose that some when we begin to learn. And it's a good thing. You know, we learn mm -hmm. what it what it does to other people when we behave that way. We learn empathy. We learn, um, you know, <laughs> cause and effect. <laughs> <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> and just immorality generally, like right. when we're making those mis when we when we make mistakes, like a, a child not knowing what they want and getting frustrated, that's. That's something other than a mistake. That's that's just a difficulty. Right. Um, so mistakes are a little bit different. And they do they do bring up the shame, but still, like he's still a father who wants to receive mm -hmm. us back. He doesn't want us to stay in our shame, to stay in our boots in the mud. Like right. <laughs> he's not like, well, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Figure it out on your own. <laughs> Guess you're waiting till it dries. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's just. Um, Sometimes it's inexplicable, like mm -hmm. with with the banana peel. Like, yeah, it's it's you, or or the fact that like I don't know a kid wants a cheese stick instead of like a cheese round. Like it's <laughs> you never know exactly why, yeah. but um, 
it, it can be inexplicable, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect our love for them. Mm-hmm. I actually feel like that that's kind of touching on what my biggest takeaway from this particular first chapter of, you know, talking about the Holy Spirit as an artist mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. as the one who sanctifies us really is, is that we don't have to explain ourselves to him because often we can't. We don't have the vocabulary <laughs> or mm-hmm. we're too afraid, but we don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Mary kind of helps me as an example. You know, when we read when we read the gospel, the angel Gabriel, when he comes to her and is kind of like sort of explaining <laughs> kind of <laughs> what's about to happen, enough that she can truly give consent, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when he's explaining all of that, he very specifically says, do not be afraid, mm-hmm. because that is a very natural human reaction to any kind of, you know, outside change in us. Even if it's something we actually did want, it's mm-hmm. still scary. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, you might have wanted forever to go on a trip. And then when it actually happens, you're afraid because what if it's not what you thought it would be? Yeah. Or like, yeah. you know, we we don't need to be afraid, but it's OK if we feel afraid. As long as we're still saying our yes, that is the most important thing. And if we want to say yes and we can't, we can ask for help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love too that Martinez makes this point when he's talking about when he's talking about Mary's role. He says Mary assists by virtue of her special vocation. But then he like makes this little side comment that actually any saint in heaven can cooperate. Yeah, and like not only any saint in heaven, like I would add like any person friends who yeah. loves god can right. cooperate mm-hmm. and even people who don't might cooperate without knowing it <laughs> because yeah. we all need a little bit of sandpaper to soften off those rough edges sometimes very true and it's it's mary's special vocation that is what she is particularly yes. called to yes is to intercede for us and to be involved in that way but like Literally anybody who loves God can help us to grow in holiness. And I love Jacques Philippe in his book, School School of the Holy Spirit. He says, um, and I think about this kind of all the time. He says, we do not have to become saints by our own power. We have to learn how to let God make us into saints. We should fight not to attain holiness as a result of our own efforts, but to let God act in us without putting up any resistance against him. We should fight to open ourselves as fully as possible to his grace, which sanctifies us. Mm -hmm. And I just love that, that he's like, you're not alone. Right. And that's actually some of the first words that God speaks in the Bible. It is not good for man to be alone. Yeah. He says that. And he's not just talking about Adam and Eve. No. That's a blanket statement. That's true for all of us. We are not alone. We are called to relationship for a reason. Number one, because we're made in the image of God. Right. Who is relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in relationship with one another, but also because that is how we learn to become who we need to be is by relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's relationship with each other, but it's also relationship with God himself. It's relationship with him in us, teaching us how to love like he loves. I love that at the the very conclusion of the first chapter of the Sanctifier, um, Archbishop Martinez is talking about like dogmatic richness. And I I remember the first time I looked at that, I was like, wow, nerd. (laughs) No, I mean, not Martinez, not you. No, I know. know. Well, I mean, I am a nerd, but that's okay. But I was, but basically, yeah, like it, that phrase, dogmatic richness, Mm -hmm. to me, 
my even now, my first gut instinct is to feel like that's inaccessible, that mm. that's like this theoretical thing that exists beyond the the practical living out of life. But when he's talking about dogmatic richness, he's talking about the realities, that truth, that truth that is love, right, being passed down from the very moment of that incarnation through that community, because we're not alone, the Holy Spirit passes it down through that community that he has established and continues to bring together to us today. Mm-hmm. And that is that legacy or that inheritance that is gifted to us, not just in how we have been given a sacrament to receive that Holy Spirit, but also in how we're able to understand it. The fact that you and I, Sister Benedicta, who were born in completely different places, mm-hmm. you know, didn't know each other, are ended ending, ending up at a table together talking about dogmatic richness and <laughs> the gifts of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and that all of you guys are listening. Mm-hmm. Probably we have not met all of you either, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that all of us are in this place together, that is part of our legacy. That is part of our inheritance as a Christian community, as a body of Christ, that the Holy Spirit is really kind of mapping out in a way. And he's mapping it out in all of those who have come before you, in you, into those who will come after us. And that is a really beautiful thing for us to hold on to, that like, that is our part in the body of Christ. We're part of that living out of the amazing, divinely enthusiastic, exciting things that the Holy Spirit is doing in his people and in the world. And if ever at any point today you are tempted to despair, either for your own sake or for just the world in its craziness, mm-hmm. never ever Focus on those things to the exclusion of what the Holy Spirit is doing because he's doing something in you and he's doing something in the world. And I think those are the moments where I've really been able to reset my focus in a way that actually saw the big picture without losing sight of the little picture. We see clearest when we look at the Holy Spirit and what he is doing. Yeah. And again, because we see truth and we see love. Mm-hmm. And this is like this line, this dogmatic richness idea is part of the reason, too, we're always encouraging people to pray with the catechism, to pray with right. scriptures, to allow the richness of what the church holds because she's been given all of this by the Lord to allow that richness to kind of penetrate into our hearts, into our minds, into our wills so that we can really live it out mm-hmm. and and let it let it change us. Let it be the thing that guides our thoughts, our actions, our loves, mm-hmm. all of it. Yeah. Yeah, this is really beautiful. I think um, I think something that I might like to say as a call to action is um, first, if you have been baptized and you don't know what day that is, go look it up. Yeah. <laughs> and um, maybe just take a few moments to... Um, there's a beautiful prayer that I found that I pray every year on my uh, anniversary of baptism. I have my baptismal candle mm-hmm. and because we use it in our profession ceremony and um, my mom still had it. So I have like the actual baptismal candle. Some people just have like a – That's um, cool. One I did that, not. One, one that's a stand-in. That's what I but had. But I have, I have <laughs> the the one. So I love on my anniversary of baptism to, to light the candle, 
and to just pray this prayer of renewal of baptismal promises. It's not exa- not to just repeat the baptismal promises, but there's this really beautiful prayer that I found that um, I'll link to in, in the show notes that is a prayer of renewing those baptismal promises. But like it's it's just so rich. I just love it. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that there. And so just to like maybe take a few minutes to kind of maybe pray the prayer, but also like pray with the text of the prayer and like what does it mean kind of on a deeper level and what would it mean for me to live that a little bit more fully today? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm just going to slightly echo that because when you, okay, if you have been baptized, if you can go back and find your baptismal date, pray with that prayer, but then also mark that date so you don't forget it. You don't have to celebrate it like a birthday in the sense that you expect gifts on your baptismal <laughs> day because guess what? You already got the biggest one. Yeah. But your baptismal date is a really beautiful day to remember and to celebrate in some way that is special to you and maybe to your family if you want to start that tradition with the people you love or even amongst your friends. Like that is a rebirth. When Jesus talks about being reborn, um, in the spirit with Nicodemus up on that roof, he's referring to baptism. Mm -hmm. And that is a really beautiful day that we can recognize like we kind of have two birthdays a year. Mm -hmm. And that is a very beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Mine's October 21st. Nice. Mine's February 19th. I didn't know mine until I had to enter the convent. Oh, really? No. Because uh, I never thought about all the things I'm saying right now before. And (laughs) (laughs) when I had to turn in my baptismal certificate to enter the convent, um, we found the date. And then they had to make sure that it was a valid baptism because I was baptized at a particular church that that sisters were not familiar with Mm -hmm. in in the Protestant um, denominations. Because some churches do not have any more Trinitarian baptism, but many do. Mm -hmm. So we had to confirm that it was a Trinitarian baptism because otherwise it wouldn't have been real. So that was a moment of panic for me when I was about to enter the convent. But <laughs> it was really beautiful because during that that one day where we were trying to figure out if it was <laughs> real or not, um, it was really beautiful because that was a day where I got to kind of sit down and grapple with like, well, what does baptism really mean? And what is the desire of baptism mm-hmm if that had not been valid, mm-hmm. really mean in my life? And what does God's presence mean in my life? And so now, ever since that day, October 21st holds a lot of significance for yeah. me because I had to sit down and grapple with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's February 19th, and I have a photo, actually, of it. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Which probably most people younger than me do, but not most people my age or older. <laughs> so... <laughs> But my grandfather was always taking pictures of everything. He was just quite a quite Aww. a hobbyist photographer. So that's sweet. So I have that. So as our closing prayer, um, we're going to be praying a modified version of the Holy Spirit Chaplet that was actually written by one of our sisters, Sister Julia Mary. Um, you're welcome to pray along with us. It's prayed on a chaplet with seven sets of three beads, or you can just use your fingers. And um, each set, we're asking for a particular gift of the Holy Spirit. So we'll begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the first decade is for the gift of wisdom. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. 
Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. The second set is for the gift of understanding. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come make your home in my heart. The third set is for the gift of counsel. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come make your home in my heart. For the gift of fortitude. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, Come make your home in my heart. For the gift of knowledge. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come make your home in my heart. For the gift of piety. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, 
and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come make your home in my heart. For the gift of fear of the Lord, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, Beloved of my soul, come, make your home in my heart. By myself, I I can can do nothing, nothing, but but with God I can do all things. For the love of God I want to do all things. To him honor and glory, to me the eternal reward. Holy Spirit, vivify me. Love of God, consume me. The way of truth, lead me. With your grace, empower me. You are the promised one sent by the Father, reminding us of all that Jesus' Master taught. I ask you for no other knowledge, no other wisdom, than that of Christ crucified, and that he may live in me. Thank you so much for listening. Dare to Dwell is a production of the Daughters of St. Paul, and is brought to you by our generous supporters on Patreon. For more information about our sisters or ministry, or to learn about how you can support us, visit connect.pauline.org slash Patreon. God bless you.